0: I was doing something on IB, walking towards the front, and all of a sudden I seen a shadow of a woman in the stacks, and we weren't open yet. So I thought she's supposed to be down here. I went there, and there's nobody there. And I saw the woman's skirt, like the old high heels that they used to wear with the long dresses, mm-hmm. and then a black hat with that veil that they. That's what I saw. Now, because the woman that originally. On this property, the city condemned her house. She said she's going to part a curse on this library. Mm-hmm. So I think that's who it, spirit or ghost. That's who it is. Peoria Public
1: Library in Central Illinois has a scholarly and spooky history, one filled with contributions that have changed the face of public librarianship in America, but also filled with tragedy, death, and perhaps the supernatural. Up to 13 ghosts are rumored to haunt the stacks, including the spirit of a former director who met his untimely end at the library. Hi, I'm Phil Morehart, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association. This month on a very special episode of the Dewey Decimal podcast, we investigate the hauntings at the Peoria Public Library. What do we find? Stay tuned after these words from Gale, a Sengage company, this episode's sponsor. Your public library wants to attract new patrons and help people in your community find the programs and resources they need. But how do you get started? With Gale's Analytics on Demand, you can blend your library's existing user data with demographic information, letting you target new populations, create programs, download custom mailing lists, and show your value to the community. Go to gale.com slash data, that's G-A-L-E dot com slash data, to learn how this tool and interactive dashboard can help your library make data-driven decisions. Gale, connecting libraries to learners and learners to libraries. Peoria Public Library sits at the corner of Monroe and Main in downtown Peoria. It's an unassuming, square, modern-looking building, with large windows stretching from ground to roof, giving it an airy, open feeling at first glance. It's a friendly-looking place, and the people who staff the library, from its director to maintenance staff, all embody that ethic. But even the most benign of places have pasts, and the tragedies that have occurred at the library throughout the past 100 years or so have left residual effects and ghostly presences, according to some.
2: What's interesting is that there's, um, I don't want to say a curse, although that is the term that had been used, um, relative to the directors of the library, because there were three directors consecutively that, that died under um, you know, violent circumstances.
1: That's John Kachuba, author of Ghost Hunting Illinois, John devoted a chapter of his 2005 book to Peoria Public Library's hauntings. He attributes some of them to a consecutive stream of deaths of past library directors in the early 20th century.
2: Uh, The first one was a guy named E.S. Wilcox. Mm In 1915, he walked out into the street right in front of the library and was struck and killed by a streetcar. So, you know, a terrible accident, but an accident, nothing necessarily paranormal about it. Um, but the year later, right after him, the other director that followed him was a guy named uh, S. Patterson Prowse. And he actually died of a massive heart attack during a board meeting right in the library. And that was 1921, so it was like six years after Wilcox. And then after him, the succeeding director was uh, Dr. Edwin Wiley, who killed himself three years later 1924 by swallowing arsenic and he apparently had had a history of trying to kill himself previously but he succeeded then so you had this you know three consecutive directors uh, that, that died under you know violent circumstances whether it was accidental or, or self-inflicted or whatever um, so people think well maybe that's what's going on or that maybe some of these directors you know are, are still hanging around
1: this curse that John mentioned is a part of long-standing Peoria lore. According to legend, the library sits on land cursed by its former owner, a one Mary Stevenson Gray, who was kicked out of her house after some financial difficulties in the mid-1800s. The library is rumored to bear that curse. The modern building at Monroe and Main isn't the library's first building. It's been rebuilt and remodeled over the past century or so, but the curse remains. Whether that's true or not is open to debate.
3: Well, um, the story goes that um, she took in a wayward nephew and that he was um, pretty much a troublemaker.
1: That's Linda Allward. She's a special collections assistant at Bradley University in Peoria. And she also worked at Peoria Public Library for more than 30 years. She's an expert on the library's history and its storied past. She has the real story on Mrs. Gray and her wayward
3: nephew he was um, pretty much a troublemaker and got in trouble with um, local authorities and needed uh, an attorney to represent him uh, the story goes that um, they ran up quite a debt um, and that the attorney was going to foreclose on the property in the house but um, that's been really bent out of proportion and um, isn't truly factual. She wasn't kicked out of her house, to the best of my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, And the strange events that um, in the folklore of the library, um, those are simply fabrications. But um, the house existed... um, for quite a while after the building was built up on Monroe Street. So, um, a lot of the tall tale is purely fiction.
1: But where did the story come from? How did this parcel of land upon which the library now sits get this cursed reputation? Linda again.
3: Well, they would start with, um, newspaper stories from a long time ago and simply, um... Throwing in all kinds of very odd things that were not true over time um and speculations about um other inhabitants of the houses and ill fortune and um it all started with though a very early newspaper account that said that basically the uh land was cursed by mrs. gray but um again, most of the details of the story are simply a tall tale for the amusement of um those who would read about it um typically near Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all the very um how should we say, supernatural types of things that have been um written into the story over time um are simply for the um reader's um effect.
1: Curse or no curse, there is some truth to the stories about the library, though. Multiple directors have met untimely ends, some of whom are rumored to still haunt its halls. The most notable being the library's second director, Erastus Swift Wilcox, who died after being struck by that streetcar in front of the library in 1915. But why would Wilcox's spirit remain at the library? It may have to do with his devotion to librarianship itself. His work changed how libraries in Illinois and the U.S. function, Linda explains.
3: Uh, He was very well well thought of. He was the author of the Free Library Bill in 1872, which provided for public libraries in Illinois and other states um, um, patterned their public library legislation after his um, library bill here in Illinois.
1: There's also Wilcox's attachment to and pride in the building itself. The construction of which he oversaw while he was alive, Linda relays a tale from a past library employee, a Mrs. Garrett bront who worked at the Rastus during the time the original building at Monroe, Maine, was constructed.
3: When it was being constructed, um, he wanted to show off the building um, to the employees, and he he just couldn't wait. So as soon as the outer walls were up, he invited the entire staff to um, meet him there and inspect the building and he actually was a little bit more insistent um, than just an invitation, and of course no one on staff could refuse him, so on a rainy Sunday afternoon, all the staff met there on Monroe Street to go through the place, and Ms. Garibrandt stated, from the way the place looked in its unfinished state, no one could have the haziest notion of what it was going to be like, but of Mm -hmm. course Mr. Wilcox was so tickled that everyone told him it was just wonderful.
1: So, we have two avenues of thought. Peoria Public Library is haunted and sits on cursed ground. Or it's all a tall tale, rooted in fact, but twisted for entertainment. Which to believe. The only thing to do was to go to the library itself and find out. But first, I got a little help from a writer known for her own explorations of the paranormal. When Dewey Decimal returns, I talked to author Mary Roach about ghost hunting then travel to Peoria Public Library to find some ghosts of my own. Gather round, boys and ghouls, for the tale of the missing Library children. In a town much like yours, Hansel and Gretel were looking for a safe place to trick-or-treat make crafts and hear spooky stories. But they had no idea where to go. Their library didn't have children's programs. The town was once all retirees who had different needs. So they wandered into the woods and straight into the arms of a witch, never to be heard from again. (laughs) If only their library had a way to track the change in demographics. They could have organized Halloween activities for the many children like poor Hensel and Gretel. Don't miss your chance to offer valuable programs to patrons who need it most. Visit gale.com data to learn more about analytics on demand. Mary Roach is the best-selling author of scores of books investigating a variety of topics, from Human Sexuality and Bonk, The Curious Coupling of Science and Sex, and Death and Dying and Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers, to her most recent book, Grunt, The Curious Science of Humans at War. I'm a big fan of her 2005 book, Spook, Science Tackles the Afterlife, which, as you can guess, finds a skeptic Mary searching for answers about the afterlife. She was the first person I called for advice about ghost hunting.
4: There's this quote in the beginning of your book, Spook, your 2005 book, Spook, Science Tackles the Afterlife, and you write this book is for people who would very much who would like very much to believe in a soul and an afterlife for it to hang around in but who have trouble accepting accepting these things in faith and this this quote describes me perfectly um i grew up in a in a family full of supernatural believers people who were they ghost storytellers from Deep in the Hollers of Kentucky. And um, I grew up around ghosts and ghost stories, going to cemeteries. And you kind of touch on this in your book, like about one's proximity to to such people will often lead you to believe in um, the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a journalist, so I believe in facts. So <laughs> I'm not there yet. Um, but I'm heading to, like I said, I'm heading to Peoria Public Library next week. Uh, it's in Peoria, Illinois. And it has a history of hauntings and um, I wondered, what's, do you have any advice for me as I prepare for this mission? What what should I be doing? Because I am kind of at a loss. <laughs> I
5: think that, well, I, I, uh, if you want to have uh, fun, I think I would set aside all the knowledge that you have and all of the fact-based realities of, of the um, unlikelihood <laughs> of ghosts persisting. I would set all that aside and go into the stacks in the creepiest, oldest part of the building and uh, just let your imagination kind of glom onto anything uh, at all spooky. Uh, And so, so that'll be a little more fun because I have to say, there's nothing duller and more disappointing than like spending the night in a haunted place and (laughs) having nothing happen, which I have done. My advice would just be to try to spook yourself out as much as possible. I guess technically, if you could position yourself, there was some, when I worked on spook, there was some, um, there was a guy who researches the effects of infrasound, which is long, slow sound waves, as opposed to, you know, the um, very rapid, high ultrasound, infrasound, we can't hear it, but it's sometimes has these subtle effects on the body. You can sort of feel a little weird and you, you and if it set, sets up a resonance in the eyeball, if this standing wave kind of uh, causes a vibration in the eyeball, you can, this is the belief of the person who's done this work, uh, who is not a ghosty person uh, that you could, you know, sort of see something peripherally, you sort of think that you've seen something. So his belief was, okay, empty old, buildings with thick walls and not much to interfere with, you know, standing sound wave patterns that maybe that's the kind of place where we have these physical effects. So put yourself in some sort of (laughs) crypt-like empty Mm -hmm. space. And um, of course, then you also need the source of the sound wave. So you know, you'd need somebody doing some construction or running a giant motor in the basement. So, yeah, it's a little hard to kind of make that happen. Um, But uh, I guess those are my two pieces of advice. Because you want to be spooked. I mean, you want want something to happen, even if you don't, you know, like you and me, uh, have a strong belief that such a thing is possible. um, I, I would like to keep an open mind. I would love to be haunted and freaked out and to see something I couldn't explain. What could be more fun? But sadly it's never happened.
1: I asked Mary what I should do if I should encounter anything supernatural at the library. She encouraged reaching out to them.
5: Uh try to encourage the entity to have a conversation. I mean a, I'm always you know, when I hear people talk about, um, oh I my this medium put me in touch with a ghost of Whoever it is, um, it's always these fragments that come through that don't really connect to anything. I'm like, I want some answers. Like, where, where are, where do you hang out now? What's it like? Is it boring? Where do you sleep? (laughs) Do you, uh, do you travel? Can you, can you zip around the earth? Like, I got a lot of questions for. Whoever whoever the ghost is, I have a lot of questions. So see if you can pin this person down and get some specific answers for me. Like, what the heck is it like in your world? (laughs) Just you know, don't give me little spooky snippets of phrases and moans and things. Like, give me some information.
1: Mary's words resonated during the three-hour car ride west from Dewey Decimal headquarters in downtown Chicago to Peoria. Would I find anything at the library? What would I do if I found anything? What about this curse? Am I rustling up spirits or energy that just don't want to be bothered? And what if it rubs off on me? And these thoughts, they ultimately sounded incredibly selfish when I considered the library's current executive director. Randall Yelverton's only been at the library since this past July, and he landed unawares into a potentially cursed position. Upon arriving at the library, I asked him about this. You've heard the stories. Yes. <laughs> You know of of the fates of some of your predecessors. Uh, did you were you aware of the stories before you started?
6: No, that was uh, that was news to me when I started about the uh, run of uh, three directors there around the turn of the uh, last century when uh, they all uh, they all uh, passed away while in office. So it was a uh, uh, yeah that was news to me, and I was hoping that I was not going to be uh, uh, one of the <laughs> library directors who met his demise while uh, while at work. The the last few directors have uh, have have left uh, have left uh, the doors uh, through the doors they they walked out of them so I'm hoping my I'm hoping I will be able to do the same someday and that uh, I will, you know I'll not meet my demise here at the library um, of course there's word of ghosts of uh, particularly Erastus Wilcox um, who is uh, you know in the in the halls of the library but I have not encountered him myself
1: Oh. now did you um... When, 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 I guess, when did you learn of, of of the history of the library, both of the unfortunate demises of some past directors and the general hauntings that have been reported?
6: Tricia Nowak, who is our head of PR, um, has done a really good job of getting me up to speed on library history and um, the libraries, uh, some of the library lore that surrounds us. And uh, we have actually gotten uh, she wanted to let me know because we do get requests for uh, people who want to come and spend the night in the library and see the haunted library. Uh, there have been books written about the library, so that's, you know, there's always interested ghost hunters and whatnot. And so she wanted me to be prepared when we got these requests. Another peculiar fact
1: about the incidents at the library is that it was a longstanding unwritten policy of past directors to not talk about or publicize the hauntings. Randall changed that. I asked him why.
6: I think some of the concern was that this is that, you know, the library is an August institution and it's um, it might in some way be cheapening the reputation of the library, Uh, but I find it to be a fun bit of, of lore. Mm-hmm. That I don't mind people participating in, and uh, it brings some attention to the library. Um, we are not going to be opening up our uh, lower levels for those who want to camp out overnight and pick up white noise or the, what, whatever you call it when you hear the uh, the sounds over the recordings, things like that. Oh yeah, the EFPs. EFPs, EFPs yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So that's we're we're not going to be moving towards that, but at the same time, I don't I think it's kind of fun to uh, to dive into the lore and have people participate in that. That's fine by me. As for the hauntings.
1: Randall's not experienced anything himself yet but he's keeping an open
6: mind. Um you know I uh I I'm if I hear an errant sound or you know see a, see a shadow I'm like well that must be you know that might be what people uh, have uh, chalked up to uh, uh former directors who are who are in our halls. So uh you know I uh I I think um it has crossed my mind. It is, it is not it does not weigh heavily on my work day, but uh, I think sometimes if I, you know, if if there's something unexplained that happens, I know that that's that, uh, that it may be chalked up to one of these former directors. I found no shortage of
1: past and present employees eager to talk about their paranormal experiences at the library. They ranged from one-time only events to multiple encounters. Reference assistant Amber Lowry served as my tour guide during my visit at the library. And she told me about multiple experiences during her 16 years working there. One occurring just a few weeks before my visit.
7: I've had some minor experiences. Me and the ghosts have an agreement. I don't see them. They don't scare me. But they back out on that every once in a while because I've been scared more than once.
1: (laughs) Oh, more than once. Uh, How how many times have you experienced things?
7: Uh, Six.
0: Six.
7: Six. uh, This morning I thought about something else and I go, oh no, that's an experience too. So... And they were all on lower level one okay so
1: and um when did these uh happen
7: uh they've happened at various times two of them happened on the same day Um, those were my first two experiences i was years ago uh, we remodeled back in 2010 and before that the upstairs uh, lower level one was a closed stacks So our circulation offices were in there, and we would have to put books away, and um, I went to put a couple books away, and I walked down one aisle and put some books away, came back, got more books, went to walk down the aisle, and there was a book laying on the shelf that had not been there. We, We put all the books away. We didn't have just stuff sitting out. We would have gotten in trouble. I know that book wasn't there when I went by the first time. Shortly after, I had to go into the annex, which I'll show you later, And I did have headphones on, but I knew the CD like the back of my hand. And while I was there, I had one in, one off to the side, and I distinctly felt someone breathe past my ear. And I did one of those who snuck in here with me. I did. And, (laughs) no, it wasn't you. (laughs) And nobody was back there. So I kind of went home a bit spooked, but it it was fine. I convinced myself maybe I was just hearing things seeing things um then my most recent one was just a few weeks back we have a room upstairs uh for the genie society the genealogy society and i had gone over to collect something and while i was in there nobody else is on the floor out in the hall or anything i'm in the room by myself with the door shut i distinctly heard someone go and i'm I looked around. I expected to find a Genealogy Society member in there with me that I had surprised, but I'm the one who turned on the light, so nobody was in there in the dark. I got what I needed and I left. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And then two other incidences involved hearing noises that I know I was alone, and um, one was I was in local history, and I heard... A pile of books fall now we're downstairs and you would think it would be from upstairs but it happened in the room I hear books fall all the time upstairs I know the difference
8: mm-hmm.
7: and I was actually texting my mom saying I think I'm alone in here but I just heard a pile of books fall so it took me about 10 minutes to work up the courage and I walked over no books were out of place no books had toppled but I know oh, I heard them fall Right in there. Wow. Um, and then the annex again, I went back there, what was it, six months ago? And I was, again, all by myself back there getting something. And I heard, like, the sound of a cardboard box being shoved across the floor. Like somebody didn't want to pick it up, so they shoved it across the floor. Nobody's back there. There's Nobody was on the floor with me. It was towards the end of the day. Nobody was down there. There was no reason to hear a box go across the floor. Wow. So it, it's <laughs> it's a lot of things. So
1: yeah, um, six. Yeah. Now, now, when these things happen to you, what what what's going through your your head immediately? Does I guess the better question would be, are you frightened? Do you think that there's this they're they're malevolent?
7: Oh no, no. I, I initially. My first thought is startlement because I thought I was alone. And I've had plenty of times where I've thought I was alone downstairs and somebody was around the corner and I didn't see them. You know, or um, we have a tendency to sneak up on each other and startle each other. But in the case with the box, in the case with the genealogy room, I know I was by myself. There was nobody around me. In the case, when I was in the annex and and felt somebody breathing behind me, I know nobody was there. Um, I've also had, when we close at night in local history, we close 15 minutes early. And we have to shut down all the computers, we have to turn off the lights. And it's a routine, you shut them down. I shut off the lights, I went into the annex, I got my stuff, I walked past the door and I just happened to look out and the lights are all back on. And those lights—they're not easy to turn off and on,
8: mm-hmm.
7: you know. And I didn't skip them; I remembered turning them off. So, so
1: yeah. it's almost there's almost like a playful yeah. aspect to it.
7: Somebody else checking up on something, you know? Why was I in the back putting a book away? Was I putting it away right? Mm-hmm. Uh, were they moving something out of the way when they moved the cardboard box? Um, and and we know the books have fallen off the shelf maybe they just decided to be nice and put them back for me but I know I heard them.
1: Not surprisingly many of the library's hauntings were experienced by maintenance workers who found themselves in the building after hours and in places not frequented by the public. They reported that many sightings and events happened in one particular place in the library's lower level in a hallway stretching from the elevator to the maintenance room. Stacey McLeod has worked in maintenance at the library for 15 years.
8: She only had one encounter, but it left an incredible impression. Um, it was about two years after I, I, I had been working here, and we closed, each one of us had to take a night. So I was the only one in the whole building. And I was closing up at night, and I was right back here by the boiler room, and at night we had to go in and do readings on the boiler before we went home. And I was put my key in the door, and the first thing I noticed was the hair on the back of my neck stood up and on my arms like static mm-hmm. i'm like that's weird well i turned and looked and i seen it wasn't a person but it wasn't a you couldn't see through it it was dark but it went from the hallway here into the elevator but the elevator doors weren't open they were closed but i i mean it, it was something that you physically saw because you couldn't see through it but mm-hmm. it wasn't a a human form. It was just kind of like a blob, like a six-foot blob wow. that went into the elevator and I, I froze. I just quite literally almost peed my pants. I was so scared and I went into the maintenance room and I called my roommate and said, I just, you know, I just got the crap scared out of me. What what do I do? And she goes, lock the door and come on."
1: So it's, um, you It didn't seem like it was trying to scare you. No, it
8: wasn't even like it didn't even realize I was there. It was just walking.
1: Yeah, it seems like a lot of the stories I'm hearing, it's not a malevolent force. No, I don't think so. That's not
8: the feeling I got either. It It was just like it was there. It was doing its thing, and I happened to see it.
1: Stacy also relayed a story from a friend and former co-worker named Gloria Gregory, who saw a mysterious figure in the library dressed in turn-of-the-century period attire. could have been Erastus Wilcox making his presence known.
8: She was sitting where we ate lunch over in the maintenance department, and now it's a wall, but it used to be a cage with a sliding gate. And she was eating her lunch, and a man walked up to the gate with a top hat and a long coat, she said. And he just stood there and she said, sir, you're not supposed to be back here. This is employees only, can I help you? And he just tipped, or tipped his hat to her and walked towards the doorway. Well, she followed him to tell him, she thought he was from the auditorium, that something was going on in the auditorium or something. Well, when she got to the doorway, there was nobody there. And she opened the auditorium and it's dark. The lights are all off. There's nobody in there. That's spooky. Yeah, he just... That's right over here. Yeah, it's right over there. About 20 feet from where I had my experience.
1: The most intriguing stories, however, belong to Richard Partee, who worked in maintenance at the library for 32 years until his recent retirement. When he started at the library, he didn't believe in the supernatural. That soon changed.
0: It first started in 1980... Uh, We were shampooing the carpet on the main floor for the 100th anniversary. Me and another guy, I think his name was James, I don't remember his last name. And we were shampooing in front of the old reference desk, and all of a sudden we saw to our left, two rolls of two shelves, two shelves of books, one after another, fall up by themselves. And this was about two o'clock in the morning, I looked at him and he looked, it's time for lunch. So we took off for a while and we got, and that's the first time I noticed that, okay, there is ghosts in this building. Cause no one else was in the building except me and him. Mm-hmm. And then it started occurring with lights coming on. After you, I was the only one here at like 6.30 at night cause we closed at six, lights being on, turned on. When I know I turn them off, hear door slams. I'm the only one here thinking, Okay, who's in the building? So I had to go run through the whole building again, make sure that everybody's clear, and then stuff that like paper towels would come out. All of a sudden, you could watch them come out by themselves, two or three at a time. Oh wow! That brought hair up. on <laughs> it,
1: It's happened to me just hearing you uh, talk about mm-hmm. it. Wow. Um, now, how how many times did this happen to you? Do you do you think? At least six times. Oh wow. And where exactly in the
0: library were you when these things happened? Well, on the main floor in this basement and then the next floor up above us. It's called L1 now. Mm-hmm. When I worked there, it was basement, IB. But uh, I was doing something on IB, walking towards the front, and all of a sudden I seen a shadow of a woman in the stacks, and we weren't open yet, so I thought, She ain't supposed to be down here. I went there, and there's nobody there. And I saw the woman's skirt, like the old high heels that they used to wear with the long dresses, Mm -hmm. and then a black hat with that veil that they – that's what I saw. Now, because the woman that originally owned this property, the city condemned her house, she said she's going to put a curse on this library. Mm -hmm. So I think that's who it – or of course, that's who it is Now when you were experiencing these things, uh,
1: what was your feeling I know you'd mentioned that the you know you thought the hair coming off your, your arms and stuff mm-hmm. but did it feel like malevolent or like a bad
0: spirit or what what, no. do, you, what do you think it was doing to you? Or- I think it's just letting us know that they're here I mean as far as I've worked here, I've never known anybody to get hurt from them uh, they never caused anything bad, but like books, door slamming, lights. A um, couple times I would hear them, and I'd just say, "Knock it off! I ain't got time for your bull crap." And I'd go ahead and turn off the lights water, whatever, and walk out. And If they turn them back on, <laughs> I ain't gonna be here all night long turning lights <laughs> off and on.
1: So, so it wasn't like a bad experience. No,
0: it was kind of to me. It was kind of interesting because I heard it when I first came here after about a year I worked here. Okay, and at that time I really didn't believe in ghosts, but then after 1980, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're in here.
1: After hearing these tales, I had to explore the library myself, to see where these events happened, to see if I could see for myself. Armed with an extra audio recorder and a high-definition video camera, Amber and I toured the library's lower levels. Our first stop, the hallway outside the maintenance room where Stacy, gloria and richard all had their encounters it's also the site of an elevator with a history all of its own
7: this is the staff elevator and i've never had it happen to me but apparently sometimes there's like a whoosh of cold air um i'm more likely to attribute it to the shaft but enough people have had it happen where it shouldn't
1: yeah, I mean, I'm standing in a spot where supposedly things have happened, but I'm not feeling anything myself, but
7: like, I think... of their experiences are alone.
1: Yeah, alone. I can see that. It's, it's very almost claustrophobic mm-hmm. in a way.
7: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it feels safe when there's a tornado.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I felt nothing as I stood in the apparent cold spot by the elevator in the basement, but I did speak with someone who did, John Kachuba. He felt it when he visited the library while researching his book, Ghost Hunting, Illinois.
2: But when I went there, you know, I spent some time walking around these places. I went down into the basement uh, with Trish and some other folks. Uh, and there's an there interesting spot uh, near the elevator. And I don't recall exactly what floor it was on. Um, but it's very strange because when you stand there, and, and I did, uh, I felt, at first it felt cold. You know, right in that one particular spot, which is kind of odd. There's no reason for temperature change to sort of occur just in one kind of isolated spot like that. Mm-hmm. But it felt cold, and then I had the sensation almost that um, it almost felt like my feet were were lifting up off the floor. You know, almost like I was levitating. Now, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't, as far as I know, <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it was. It felt that way. It was very strange. It felt that way. And at the same time, I also felt a little bit, um, a little dizzy. And I don't, you know, I'm not prone to to bouts of dizziness or lightheadedness or anything else like that, you know, out of the normal. Um, so that was kind of strange. And so I thought, well, you know, it could be, this is kind of near the elevator. So with the elevators going up and down and everything else, no doubt there's vibration in the building. And, you know, maybe that's what I'm feeling. Uh, but the elevator wasn't even in operation at that time. You know, it was, there was nobody on it. Just, it just wasn't moving. Uh, so, I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, and you know, Trisha had uh, been there before and everything else, and a lot of people have been in that so- spot and sort of had that same, um, that same feeling.
1: Continuing our tour of the library, Amber led me to the Local History Annex, the site of her most recent ghostly incident.
7: Before remodeling, Local History was actually on the first floor. and. Um, lights run out. I don't want to come back here really when <laughs> drop anymore. Um, this area was all closed stacks at the time where we housed like our old biographies. And even with the lights off at the time, you had enough light coming in from what was the circ area that I was standing probably within these two shelf ranges. I couldn't have gotten much further than this without enough light.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: And I was standing like on the end of an aisle, putting a book away, and I felt it right past me.
1: Amber shut off the lights in the room to show me the conditions on that particular day.
7: This is what it was like. Oh, wow. Just enough that I could see with a little bit of light, but I could not have gone more than a couple of rows.
1: I'm not going to lie. I got a little chill when that you shut the uh, lights off. It could uh, be I from hearing the stories and whatnot, but I can see how. Yeah.
7: Well, you know, like I said, this already you're already in a basement. Yeah. You're already down here by yourself, and you're trying to do stuff. And if you're like me and you're afraid of the dark, just putting. I mean, seriously, I was doing something as simple as this, and it goes right past me.
1: As we walked on, we soon entered the genealogy room where Amber had one more experience.
7: And so, um, I'm the librarian for the Genealogy Society and I had come down here to get some material for a program and I was standing here in the supply cage getting stuff out. And I heard a gasp right over my shoulder this way. Well, as you saw, we had to turn on the light when we came in here. The door was locked. I had the only key. So it's not like a society member had come down here before me. Nobody could have gotten in here. And I I turned around and I checked this corner because that's where I heard it from. But I would have seen somebody when I walked in. And there is no place to hide.
1: Yeah, it's a very tight spots almost
7: so um we there wasn't anybody out here on the floor that you know i could have heard from the other side of the door Mm -hmm. it was very definitely within 10-15 feet of me and sound does not travel down in here
1: yeah there's a slight hum from the lights but that's
7: But there's a home everywhere on this floor so that I can filter out.
1: Yeah. And that was the most recent one? Yes, that's
7: one that happened within the last couple months. Oh, wow. So.
1: So they're still around.
7: Oh, absolutely.
1: (laughs) As we walked around the library, I wondered, considering all of the reported incidents amongst Peoria Library employees, I wondered if patrons had experienced anything at the library. Has there been any reports from patrons seeing anything or hearing hearing anything?
7: Not to me directly that I can remember. Um, Because uh, the library hasn't always encouraged us to talk about it. We don't necessarily talk about it with our patrons. Um, So
1: they might have experiences, they just haven't shared them with you. Yeah. And it makes more sense that I think employees would probably have more experiences because you're here.
7: Well, and we, we know a difference
1: like
7: yeah. somebody gasping behind me I know I was alone
1: unfortunately like those patrons, I left Peoria Public Library without a sighting or experience of my own I remain skeptic but I believe that Amber, Stacy and Richard believe luckily that belief in the hauntings at the library hasn't impeded their work or how they feel about the place here's Stacy again
8: for, for a little while, I was spooked about being in the building by myself when I had to close at night. Mm-hmm. But I got over it, you know, and you forget about it. You just forget. And then, it ha- you know, like Richard said, he'd forget all about it, and then it happened to him again. And, but after I, to- I told him to leave me alone, it, nothing's ever happened again.
1: Amber, however, is a bit more enthusiastic about the supernatural environs that she finds herself in every day
7: after something has happened, I'll usually go run around telling tell them, you won't believe what happened now. It's happened, it, the place is haunted. I had a ghost experience again. Um, and every, I'll tell whatever story I've got and people go, okay, yeah, uh, that could be. And some people believe here and some don't. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
1: Some people believe and some people don't. Ultimately, when it comes to any haunting investigation, that's what it boils down to, and there's comfort and strength in that belief sometimes. And it doesn't matter if I, or anyone, find any ghosts or not. Here's Mary Roach again.
5: Just amazing how common these stories are, and and everyone who tells them is 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 convinced. I mean, it's people's uh, it's people's own experience, and also the their the experiences of people close to them that tend to decide what they believe or don't believe. It really is very hard to change anyone's mind with a paper or a more logical explanation like, oh, you know, if you have a small temporal lobe epilepsy condition, you can sometimes have Experiences that feel supernatural, but it's actually generated in your brain. Like, you, you, you just people just blink at you like, no, no, it was my dad. I know it. He was coming back. Like, just like go away.
1: <laughs> so, if Erastus Wilcox or former landowner Mrs. Gray continue to haunt the Peoria Public Library, I'll never know. And that's okay, because their spirits remain for those who believe. Thanks again to John Kachuba Mary Roach, Linda Allward and especially everyone at Peoria Public Library for helping to make this episode possible Be sure to visit AmericanLibrariesMagazine.org for video footage and more about the hauntings at the library As always, I'm Phil Morehart Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association. And this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Happy Halloween, everybody. Ready for another tale? Before she was Bloody Mary, Mary was a library administrator who struggled to bring in new patrons. She stood in front of the mirror crying, patrons, 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 but none ever came. Now her spirit wanders the earth seeking the patrons she could never find. Imagine a library with no patrons. Is there anything scarier? Let analytics on demand help you find new patrons and bewitch them with programs based on their lifestyles and interests. Visit gale.com/data. That's g-a-l-e.com/data to begin unlocking insights about your community. Mention Dewey Decibel for
5: fifteen percent off your purchase.